Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources, so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and then found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and you all know I say that for my Canadian friends who actually aren't on today because it is so cold up there. I think they probably are snuggled in underneath their blankets, but I'd like to welcome one of my very special guests today, and it's funny because uh, I don't usually talk to her on my show, but I talk to her quite often, and everybody, today's show is for me. It is my day to have an hour with my mom to ask her those questions that I don't think I've ever asked her before, not to embarrass her, but to enlighten us as to how life has changed since she was born 87 years ago. So, <laughs> Mom, Gwen Butts, Gwendolyn Kennedy Butts, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you very much, Deb. Good morning. I'm, I'm so glad you're here, and uh, not to be... Nervous, worried, it's a conversation <laughs> between you and me, and we're doing this because I have so many friends that who, who've lost their parents in the last few years, and I've seen them putting remarks on Facebook and around social media saying, I wish I could ask my mom XYZ. I wish I had another moment with my mom, and then they, you know, they pause. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed. I still have you here. And Thank I you. just wanted I wanted to get some some information from you that we've never talked about because one day I won't be able to get the question the answers directly from you and I'm not looking forward to that day. But I'm looking forward to you and Daddy being around for another ten years, twelve years. We hope so. <laughs> but in light of that, you've had an extraordinary life, Mama. So you know, with my shows, I like to go back to background where mm-hmm. where did you grow up and a little bit about your your family. So can you tell me where you, where you grew up and when? Right. Well, I was born in Brooklyn at the Norwegian Hospital, and my grandparents, uh, the Jacobsons, lived nearby. And uh, at that time, we were living in Garden, well, my folks were living in Garden City, Long Island. And, uh, but I was born at the Norwegian Hospital and spent a lot of time with my grandparents. They were very special people that uh, came from Norway, uh, when grandma, came, when grandma came from Norway, she had two little girls, and then she had two more little girls in the States, and uh, a lovely big family, and unfortunately, she lost three of her girls from a disease at that time. But uh, she was wonderful to me and always was with me when I needed help. What's one of your favorite memories of great-grandma? Well... We always had fun at her house. Uh, she lived in Brooklyn, and she lived on the second floor. And when I would spend like two weeks every summer, we would walk down a block and a half and go to a bakery. And there we would buy every day that we could a kringla. Now, Debbie knows about a kringla. It's a pastry that the Norwegians made at the Norwegian bakery, and we had that for tea every day. And I still have tea at 4 o'clock. What was your favorite Kringla? Well, there was apple, and there was cherry, and what else was there? There were several different kinds. My favorite I think, prob- I think probably the apple 
and they, the berries were very good. Everything was good, let's put it that way. Okay, so you were born in 1934, and that's five years into, the, into what the world calls the Great Depression. Did you, how did that affect your family at all, or did you, did you know it was around you at the time? Well, I was too little to know anything about that, but I know that uh, it, it didn't affect my father's job. He was with a business in, in Brooklyn, and he uh, was one of the bosses at the time, and so he had a very good job, and he had a well-paying job for that time of year, of that time of the, of the world. So it didn't affect us any at all. I, I, uh, I knew that there were people that were out of work. I knew that there were people that were going hungry because they didn't have the money, but that didn't affect my family at all, and my grandparents either. So I'm sorry to say I didn't know a lot about it, except that it was a very difficult time in, in the world, for, especially here in the United States. No, it's interesting that it, that it didn't affect them because, I mean, you grew up, and, and we heard this, <laughs> the money doesn't grow on trees, mm-hmm. and then there, was, then there was the adage of, I don't have it in front of me, about, um, oh, shoot, I'm having a brain cramp, about do without um, Oh well, we were we were we were very lucky. We had a lovely home, and we 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 always ate what we 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 wanted. We always had food on the table. Unfortunately, I don't know a lot about it because I was so young. But we we always were very frugal about buying things, mm-hmm. as far as you know, uh, toys and that type of thing. We had we had adequate toys and such, but certainly we didn't have what a lot of people wanted. We, what was your favorite toy? my mother made me a blue satin robe. It wasn't a toy. It was a Christmas present. And I still can remember putting it on. It went to the floor. And she also had one she had not made for herself, but it was similar to hers. And I thought I was really quite special. What was your relationship with Grandma as a child? With my mother? Yeah. Oh, we had a lovely relationship. We would, uh, uh, she, she didn't play sports, which I did. I started very, very young. Uh, but we would always go to Lord and Taylor's for lunch. And, of course, in those days, uh, this sounds corny, but uh, my mother always wore a hat and she always wore gloves. And I did, too, as a little tiny girl. So we were very lucky to enjoy things like that. Do you remember what the restaurant was called in Lord and Taylor's? Can you remember it? It was the bird cage. The bird cage. That's the right. Because Grandma used to take me there until I was about thirteen, and then, then we then we stopped going to New York. Or I stopped going to New York. But the bird cage, and we would take. Well, we'd go into Garden City. Would we take the train, or would she drive? We would drive. We we We'd lived drive. in Garden City, and so it was probably a fifteen-minute drive. But I remember when I was very very little. We we didn't have the big stores in Lord and Taylor's and all that in Garden City, and then when when they started building uh, about 15 to 20 minutes away from us, we were shopping all the time in Garden City. A lovely, lovely community, very pretty, and to this day, it's a very beautiful place. Do you remember? I'm having a thought that you told me one time you and Grandma took a trip into New York City on the train. That was your grandmother. My grandmother, your mom, your mom. That was Whoa. many, many, many years later. Mom was, uh, she had cancer. And uh, the, the, the thing she really wanted to do before she died was go into the city and see it once more. She loved to go into the city and, and shop. Uh, that wasn't one of my favorites, but it was certainly one of hers. So, uh, she had that at that time was probably in her 70s, early 70s, maybe 75. And uh, we, I took the train uh, from Garden City into New York, and uh, we walked very, very slowly to Fifth Avenue and that a- that whole area. And uh, we had just gotten there, and we had we were so excited. She was so excited to be there, and we were walking toward where the stores were. And all of a sudden, we heard um, somebody scream, and a couple of policemen were running down the middle of the road with their guns pulled. And it turned out that they were chasing somebody that had 
done something bad. I don't know what it was, whether he was shooting somebody or whether he was stealing or whatever. But my mom was so frail that I picked her up uh, bodily and put her next to a wall until that was all over. And when that was all over, here we had just gotten there, and it took us about an hour to an hour and a half to get from Garden City to New York on the train. She looked at me with tears in her eyes, and she said, I would like to go home. Oh. So that very minute I said, are you sure this is what you want to do? She said, I don't like what I just saw, and I would like to go home. Mm -hmm. So we went to the train station, and that was our trip to New York. Oh. Yeah, very sad, very sad. But you never know what's going to happen when you're in a different city, especially New York City. That's true. And uh, I remember a trip that we took with her down to Washington, D.C. Do you remember that trip? Mm-hmm. With Mother? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Well, yes. She was interested in, in Watergate and wanted That's to right. know more about Watergate. And at that time, you were working, I believe, for, um, what was his name? From, Congressman from Jeffers. Congressman Jeffers, yes. You were working for Congressman Jeffers. And she said, I would really like to go down to see Debbie at uh, Washington and see part of it. Uh, so we got on a train and off we went to Washington. And we met Debbie and we met people in, in the office and all that. And uh, then we went to Watergate where we had lunch. I remember that. That was a big scandal back then. That was a big scandal back then. And it was a highlight of her life. She really enjoyed seeing all the things that you were doing in, in Jeffords' office and how proud she was that her granddaughter was in Washington working, you know. Did Grandma ever work? Grandma worked when she was, I would say she's, when she got out of high school. Uh, she did not go to college. Their, her parents could not afford that. So uh, she went in to look for a job. And she found a job at a, an office called Household Finance Corporation in the city of Brooklyn. And she was there for probably a year, but the boss fell in love with her. And the boss's name was Lester F. Kennedy, and he was one of the bosses in the office. And in no time, uh, they started to date, and they were married. And they were married for over 50 years uh, when mother died. So, uh, they, I guess she couldn't work there anymore if she married the boss, huh? She did not work, and they um, they bought a house on Lee Road in Garden City, Long Island, and we lived there until my dad was promoted to another job, and he was sent to Philadelphia, and that's where we moved to Philadelphia for many years. So you uh, you had one brother, so there was just the two of you. Did you have a lot of friends when you were little? Tons. Loads of friends. I still, I still see them, or I still talk to them on the telephone. Uh, one was a girl in Philadelphia named Tina Hilton, and we saw her a couple of years ago. Another was Susie Metzger, and Susie and I were swimming pals uh, at the local pool, and she is now still living in Long Island, and I still talk to her on the phone and get, get, get Christmas cards from her. I was going to ask, how do you keep in touch with these friends? Because I think it's extraordinary that you that you have people that you you know that you went to elementary school with, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you might have one or two, but you make a real effort in connecting. Well, we, how, how do you do that? We do. We both the girls do too. I mean, I'm, I, it's it's not one sided. It's it, we're, we're talking. You know, like last night, uh, Joycey Adelberger called, and you know Joycey. We've been we've been friends since we were in seventh grade. And uh, we had a lovely visit. She just lost her husband, Ted. Uh, but she, we had a lovely visit, and she's gone into a retirement place and, and enjoying it very much. And she has a lovely family, just like us. So uh, she, uh, all these girls are doing very well. They're all, unfortunately, not, do not have husbands. And so we, our family is very lucky to have Dad. But it was lovely that so many of your friends were married for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And did have families, and we used to we used to see them as kids. We would go on family trips. What was your favorite family trip? Well, I think probably uh, going to see Dad's mother and father, uh, the Kennedys. They lived in a beautiful place in in 
Francisco de Illinois, and we didn't see them very often because Dad was so busy with his job, uh, but we did try to, well, they were still alive. They tried to, to get out there every two or three years, and they did live to have their 50th wedding anniversary, and we did go out for that, and so that was really the last time that I saw them. But um, I that, th- that was lovely because my grandmother, Kennedy, loved flowers, and she loved vegetables and fruits, and they had several acres uh, where they lived. And, of course, she had her fruits and her vegetables and her trees, her cherry tree and her apple trees. And uh, in those days, when I was very, very young, I would, I would have a lovely time with her. They even had a, a well in their yard uh, where she got the water to, to water all the flowers and the trees. But she really was a, a wonderful gardener. And he was a minister and a farmer. And he had the farm where he would take care of the things like that. But she was, she was always involved in her flowers. And it was a beautiful town. And I, several years ago, I was talking to my cousin who lived out west. And I said, you know, Judy, I would love to go back and see the farm and the house. And she said, Gwen, no, that's, that whole area has changed. And just remember what you remember, the lovely place it was, uh, the school that had it uh, up the street. And it had a slide outside the building. And... If there was a problem in the, in the school, the kids would have to run to the, where the slide was and slide down to the playground. Now, I've never seen that before, and I never have seen it since. But, of course, it was a very old town and a very old school. But it was a lovely little town. When you were little, too, though, uh, Grandpa bought a place up in Maine. And yes. I've heard a lot of stories about up in Maine. But when you would go up, did you have girlfriends go with you? Because... It was way up in northern Maine, Moosehead Lake. It was 30 miles away from Canada, and it was on Moosehead Lake. And the closest neighbors were probably, oh, four, three or four miles away. And no, I really didn't have friends to go up there. My cousin Joni's family would arrive. We had, when we were little, we had um, families our our families come up, Joni and Joni Aspinall and her family, and uh, the boys, uh, Doug Anderson, that type of thing. So that when they weren't there, then I was alone with my brother and my mother, and my dad would fly in on weekends. It and was a, did, it, it is it is still is a beautiful beautiful place, and uh, un- unfortunately, when I got married and we had our children and all, we couldn't go up there as much as as the other kids did. And uh, then as they got older, as you got older, we wanted to take you on trips to various places. So we didn't spend a lot of time there. So I've moved through the the 30s and the 40s. And uh, how did, just with, I was talking to you a little about this before, with with the things going on in the world in Ukraine, the invasion and everything today, I was reflecting on World War II, and that Mm -hmm. started when you were a kid. How did right. that affect your life? Well, we lived in Garden City that, at, at that point, and uh, my dad was hoping to join the military. Um, he felt that he, this was a tragic thing that was going on, and he tried to get into the military. Well, unfortunately, they would not take him, and the reason being that he had us to take care of, and he also had took care of my, my parents, my parents, my, my mother's parents financially and so he had too many responsibilities but what what did occur would we would have nights when they would blow whistles and we would have to pull down the dark shades turn off a lot of the lights and only have a little it was it was a different time in the world uh, but we did have the dark shades and uh, then we'd have people walking the street to make sure that everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing and then um, it was probably, I don't know how, how old I was, but my best girlfriend was Pat Stewart, and she lived next door. And she had three brothers, and they all joined the service. And uh, I, I don't remember where they were, but they were away for a few years. And then they all came home, fortunately. 
would change change the makeup, but I'm I'm actually I found the slogan I was thinking of, and and I've heard it I've heard you use this a lot. It's called "Use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without." Exactly, and we did. We had well, we we actually I think coffee was something that that we couldn't get a hold of when mother and dad wanted coffee, and there were various times when we couldn't get the types of meat that we wanted. Some of the some of the food was was not what we were used to eating. Uh, but we were very happy when the war ended and all the men, women came home. So and Grandpa didn't have to. Grandpa didn't go anywhere. But you, we were saying something about Grandma. Grandma went into some sort of training. Yes, uh, a lot of the women volunteers to do things uh, at the school. And one of the things that Mom did was uh, go to the school and take a mechanical course of how to how to take care of automobiles. How to, you know, if if we were having trouble with our car, she would know how to do it. And I remember one time we were driving somewhere, and the car stopped, and she was all dressed up. We were going somewhere, and uh, she got out of the car and took her shoe off, opened up the front of the car, and hit something with the heel of her shoe. Now I haven't talked about this in fifty years, but it came to mind that uh, whatever she did, she hit something in the in the 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 auto the motor of the automobile and off we went so that was one thing that, that a lot of the women did was t- take courses to either help other people if their families or their men were away or to do this type of thing yeah that's but when I, uh, Rosie the Riveter came out absolutely yes I was not fortunate enough to do that uh, I would like to ha- have learned a lot of those things that that you you know how to do but I was too busy with the bunch of kids and, and what we were doing, you know, as far as schools. And But it was an interesting time. Did it personally affect anybody in the family? Any uncles or any grandpa's family? Grandpa's brother, Grandpa Kennedy's older brother uh, was in the war. And I only met him once at the 50th wedding reunion. And he... Ha- physically was not well, did not live very long. Um, I don't know that anybody else was in the war. My mother's brother was not. Okay. He was he was too young at the time. Okay. Well, it changes families, and, and I know a lot of the, the veterans don't talk about that, but I was mm-hmm. just curious how it affected the families because I was watching the news today and uh, the small children and the wives and, and whatever that were, evacuating from the cities, I mean, that really mm-hmm. changes a family and it changes a country. Oh, and, no uh, question. It certainly no. changed ours. We're going to segue into, into the 50s. And when you met Dr. Jack, who was not Dr. Oh. Jack at the time, how in the world did you meet Dad? Well, it was a long story. We had moved to Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, because Dad was involved in his business in Philadelphia. And uh, we went to the Broad Street Methodist Church in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. And um, one of my friends from school was a girl named Susie, Susie Holmes, who lived around the corner. And we were in school together, and we played sports together and all that kind of stuff. And um, one day she called me, and she said, Gee, Gwen, why don't you come and meet me, and we'll go to the... Of the Methodist Youth Fellowship, and I said, "Oh, I'd love to do that." I didn't know that that they had such a thing, and so we went, and we had a a fun time, and I joined, and all that. And there was a very nice young man there, and he played basketball, and uh, we would watch them play and all that. And his name was Jack Butts. Now this was when I was a senior in high school, and. Um, Jack Butts happened to ask me to go to the movies. And that movie was down about a mile away. So we walked to the movies. And um, then I went away to school, and Jack Butts was at University of Pennsylvania. And uh, he wanted to come and see me at school. So I was at Centenary College in New Jersey. And so he came up a few times uh, to see me. And that was the beginning of... Our friendship of five years. Was it love at first sight? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Dad keeps saying you're the, he always liked those cute little blondes. 
Well, here we were. Here I was, blonde and blue eyed. I was. Yes, he was very tall. He still is very tall. Uh, And at this point in his life, he just walked in the room. He is now 92 years old. Okay, well, tell him this is a show with mom, so Uh he'll have his own show. So he needs to shush. He's already had it, it, and he's just sitting here (laughs) going to listen to us. Which is funny, because I recall you saying that dad was pretty quiet when you you met him. He was he was a basketball player and he he lived in a neighborhood where there were lots of guys boys who played basketball and and all kinds of crazy things that they you know they were in a, they were five years older than we are. But when I met Dad, he was at the University of Pennsylvania and was very busy. Uh, at that point, his dad had just died, and uh, he had to go to work. So he was in school at Penn, but he also was working. He had different different jobs. He had a job at Lit Brothers where I was working for Christmases, but never met him. Uh, so he he worked his way through Pennsylvania and then went to graduate school. So I won't say any more because that's on his show. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so you mentioned that you had been working. Where, where did you work? I worked at Lit Brothers, and I sold. This was on you know after school and uh, at Christmas time, and I sold lingerie. And he worked at Lit Brothers, and he was on the top floor selling toys. But this was before me. Lit Brothers is a big, Lit Brothers like a Macy's a, or something? Yes, yes. A large department store at the time, and I, I honestly don't know whether it's still in business or not, like Macy's mm-hmm. and, and that type of thing. Okay. But I would leave the school and take a trolley and a bus down to 69th Street, where we had Lit Brothers, and that's where that's where we both worked at one point, but we didn't know each other at that time. So you dated for five years, mm-hmm. and how did he propose to you? Oh my goodness, <laughs> how did he propose? Well, after three or three years, I suppose we 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 knew we were going to get married. We just didn't know when, but he wanted to get through graduate school, and so uh, we waited until he was a senior, uh, and that's when we got married. And we've been married for 67 years. But, Mom, how did Dad propose? How did he propose? Don't ask him. I I want your side. (laughs) I guess he told me he loved me and he wanted to marry me. And so, uh, this is funny, but I did. My parents sent me to Europe. uh, With I was a singer at that time, and our group, our group of girls were going to, to Europe to sing at different bases. And so I went there and uh, had a lovely time but missed him terribly. And uh, I knew when I got home that I would get my ring. And so we were away for three months. And uh, when it was time to go home, uh, we were on a ship. And uh, we, we were really going home in a hurricane. And uh, it took... It took us 12 days to get from England to New York, and I was the second one off the boat, and he was standing there waiting for me. And that was the time that he gave me my beautiful ring. Aww. Uh-huh. And uh, then we, we got married uh, when he was a senior in grad school. Okay. Did he talk to Grandpa before oh, Grandpa he, knew. Grandpa knew because he had spent a lot of uh, had spent a lot of time at home, and even had come gone up to Maine with us once. Okay. Uh, when he had a little vacation. Those were the days when you would ask the ask the fathers first. Yes, yes. No, no. Dad knew, uh, and they all they loved him. They really did. He he's a very special man, and he still is a very special man. Okay. So a, tell me a little bit about your wedding. I know there's some. There's a lot of joy, but there was some heartache about the wedding. Can you just explain that to me? Yes. Uh, my mother didn't want us to get married until he had graduated from graduate school. <coughs> Excuse me. At that point, he was, what, 24 years old, 25? And uh, I wanted to have a very nice wedding in Garden City, Long Island at the time. That's where we were living. And so my mother said, I won't go to your wedding until he graduates. And she meant it. So I said to Dad, you know, we really want to get married, and we've been dating five years. And he said, 
I think you should get married anyway. Go talk to your grandparents and your aunts and uncles and see what they say. And that's exactly what I did. And they all said, oh, what's the matter with your mother? Go get married. So we got married. We had a lovely small wedding in Philadelphia, and we were married at the Broad Street Methodist Church, and one of the ministers was one of Jack's friends, and all our high school, college friends were there. And then Jack's mother had a lovely little party for us at at her home, lovely home. And we went to see to um, Penn State where Jack's sister Peggy and Jim lived. They were married up there. And uh, we went up there. That was our honeymoon. (laughs) We had two days of a honeymoon. And we stayed at the Nittany Lion Inn, which was a very small hotel. And today... It is an enormous hotel, still in existence, but it, it was a lovely small hotel, and everybody that were, were, have been our friends said, why didn't you go back there for maybe 25 or whatever? Well, we have not gone back there, but that was a lovely time. And since then, we've had many wonderful trips, and they were all honeymoons, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen pictures of the wedding, and you were a beautiful bride. And, Thank uh, you. I know it was interesting when I got married up in Woodstock. That was the the last big hurrah for Grandma Spark or Grandma Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think she lived vicariously at my wedding. She lived your wedding, I think. Um, I just I just recall she walked down almost like the Queen Mum. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, she did. And that was just a couple of months before she passed. Right, and so, she stayed. At, we had a lovely reception for you in Quich, in Quichi at the Quichi uh, Club, mm-hmm. and uh, she stayed until the last minute. And she died what a month later? Three or months, months later. later. Three months later. Did so, Did you ever have an opportunity to talk to Grandma over those years about what happened, or did you just kind of? No, I never did. Wash it. Yeah, I I never did. I, it broke my heart that I couldn't have the wedding that I had was planning because we were mm-hmm. going to have a Christmas wedding. But no, I never, and she didn't bring it up either. Was it uncomfortable over the rest of the years? I mean, were you, did you ever feel like you were a little bit on eggshells at some point? No, I don't think so. We enjoyed our, our you know, our, whenever we were with them. Okay. Um, no, it, it was never brought up. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, I, I think that my grandparents were very, very happy what we did, mm-hmm. Grandma and Grandpa Jacobson because they love Jack as much as the whole family did. And they're all gone, unfortunately, today. But we, we had a lovely time with them when they were alive. And he would go and have, we would have Christmas with Grandma and Grandpa, that type of thing. Well, I remember that, that one time when I was small, and we talked about this the other day, about we went to visit great-grandma, Jacobson in her Brooklyn place and I I only remember walking up the stairs to this brownstone and she was sitting in front of the window which mm-hmm. was I don't know if it was maybe a bay window in a chair and we took her a big box of lifesavers. That was a Christmas present to grandma every Christmas. She loved lifesavers and that was her chair we, where she would sit and she taught me how to sew and that type of thing. Uh, when I would spend it like two weeks every summer with them, we would, that's where she always sat. But I remember when she was, when I was younger, uh, she had a big table in that room and we would all gather there for, for Christmas dinner. So holidays, who would do the cooking? Guess, Grandma. <laughs> did she teach you? Uh-huh. She was. She let you guys. And we all did the dishes. We weren't allowed to go to church. I mean, we weren't allowed to go to the movies, but we stood and did did dishes of all those people. (laughs) And that's why I think about you and how lucky you are that you have a wonderful husband who does the dishes. Well, this brings it up. When you were doing the dishes, was it just the girls doing the dishes, or did Uh the boys have to do the dishes? Well, no, no, not at grandma's. But I did bring up our boys to help us, and now our boys. I know you did with us, and I walked mm-hmm. out of the house one time because I told the boys that <laughs> I wasn't the only one doing the dishes. Exactly, but, exactly. But when you grew up, was it expected for just the girls to do the dishes? Yes, yes. What All were the, the men boys would, doing? Well, they would go into the front room and talk, and I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the way it was. 
but grandma did all the, you know, she did all the cooking, and grandpa was a very good cook also, uh, and he was a very talented man. He was a carpenter, and he even learned how to sew and use the sewing machine, and he would make curtains, can you believe? Can you imagine your father sitting at the sewing machine making curtains for our house? <laughs> no, how cute. What was your favorite recipe or favorite food that great-grandma that would make? Norwegian steak, which we had last night for dinner, uh, and uh, cinnamon pie, which was not Grandma Jacobson's recipe. It was nope. Grandma Kennedy's recipe. Uh-huh. And that's how I got it from Grandma Kennedy, but I gave it to Grandma, Grandma Jacobson. I think that pie, uh, to this day, is my favorite pie. And if Brad listens to this, <laughs> the last time I made that pie, I screwed up. And no, my, the last time you made that pie was last week, and it was oh, delicious. Last, all right, but one one time we were all together, and Brad Brad was with us, and we were having cinnamon pie, and uh, Brad had a piece, and he said, Mom, he said, you know what, I don't think this tastes right. And I said, really? What I had done was forgot the cup and a cup and a half of sugar. <laughs> so all of a sudden, that pie was taken into the kitchen, kitchen and thrown away you were literally I did. you were literally eating a cinnamon <laughs> yes yes it, it's for, for people who have never had cinnamon pie if you like cinnamon it's a delicious pie and my grandmother and my mother always put either a vanilla ice cream on it or a big gallop of, of whipped cream yeah, it's a it's a delicious. And you could even pie. have both. It, it's a delicious pie, and I still, as I said, I made it uh, the other day, and Debbie's husband C.J. I was told didn't like cinnamon. Well, he asked for a second piece, <laughs> so that made my heart jump because he's a wonderful man and he does like good food, and he he does the dishes. <laughs> And he does the dishes every time we have dinner together. He's the first one up. And I was just reading here in my notes uh, that I wrote years ago that uh, he was always the first one up uh, at his home. And his mother taught him to do the dishes. So that's good teaching. Absolutely. So you and Daddy got married. And then he finished graduate school, finished. He became a dentist. He is our Dr. Jack. And you guys moved from Philadelphia up to Vermont. Yes, we were invited to move to Vermont. They were starting a new health center up there. Oh, before that, we were sent to Vermont. Dad was in the Air Force. That's where I was. John and I were born up in... Right. We were at Ethan Allen Air Force Base in Burlington, Vermont. And we loved being there. We really had a a great time, and everybody was so nice. Uh, And uh, that's when we, we, we finished with that. And we didn't know exactly where to go and uh, to settle, de- settle down. And a lovely couple, Elaine and George Biggs, uh, lived in Woodstock, Vermont. And they had heard about Jack through somebody, and they invited us to come down to Woodstock. They were starting a health center in Woodstock, Vermont. And we really did not know whether we were going to stay in Vermont or we, my dad and mother want, wanted us to come back to Long Island. And we didn't really know what we were going to do, but we went down to see Woodstock. And, of course, Woodstock, Vermont today is a very beautiful town. And uh, Elaine and George set us up in practice. And uh, Jack practiced there for 37 years, I believe. And he did a lot of surgery in those days uh, in the the office. Uh, And so in, in those days we said, well... We had a lovely time here. Now what are we going to do when he retired? Well, there's a lot of years before he retired. So in Woodstock, though, um, you you didn't work outside of the home, but you worked a lot. I worked once. uh, Jim went to kindergarten. Then I joined. But there were four of us, and you, you were the doctor's, the dentist's wife. But I you, did a, you did a lot in Woodstock. You did a lot of service in Woodstock. Can you kind yes, of tell I me, did. what did you do? Well, I worked because the mother died of cancer. I worked with the Cancer Society and became the president of the Cancer Society and ran a lot of that stuff. And I was, uh, you know, I, I spoke at different places for the Cancer Society and uh, a lot of friends and 
actually George and Elaine, who were in Woodstock at the time, got me involved in various things in church. And, and uh, then I was teaching at the uh, rec center, the Woodstock rec center. They needed help. And so I uh, taught the little kids that were junior high school dancing lessons. And I also taught swimming. Okay. And I uh, had, in fact, about 20 years after that, I was at a meeting and a man came up to me and said, you know what, you were my, you were my teacher of, of uh, dancing. Aww. So I, they did remember me. <laughs> so uh, the first house in Woodstock, mm-hmm. can you tell me about the Gulf Avenue house? We went to look at Woodstock, and yes, the, the bigs asked us to come and so Jack could start to practice. And uh, we had only a car. We didn't have much in the way of furniture. And we looked at this house at 8 Golf Avenue that had four bedrooms and it had two fireplaces, and it was $13,500. We moved in there, and we had a lovely, lovely neighborhood and lovely friends we started meeting friends and then i was pregnant with brad brad i just had a cramp brain cramp brain cramp brad came along and then two years later we had jim and all of a sudden we sort of grew out of that house so we had friends up on the hill of church hill and we started looking around and they they said they would sell us seven and a half acres so we went up and we walked to seven and a half acres and we bought seven and a half acres and we started to build our dream house. And Dad had it all organized and he knew what he wanted and I knew what I wanted. And we hired a gentleman named, can you give me the name, Dad? Max Boynton, Max Boynton mm. who was a builder and uh, he had built some lovely homes. And so they started doing, in those days, we had a cellar, and they started digging the hole, and Dad came home and he said, oh, my goodness. He said, we're going to, we have a problem because the hole was filling up with water. Well, leave it to the builder. He knew exactly what to do and pipes to put in and all that. And uh, we didn't have a swimming pool at that point. They built a lovely, lovely home that's still there. Uh, we sold it before we left Woodstock, and the people who live there have told us that they're going to live there till they die. They just love a beautiful home. Well, it was it was an idyllic area to be in and a great way to grow up. Uh, but we didn't have such joy in the 70s in Pineview 2, in Pineview 1. Can you tell us what happened in January? Yes. Because um, you were we down, had, you were downstairs, weren't you? Yes. Well, we had a new car. Uh, the reason being, we were visiting Gail and Tommy Coggins. Do you remember them? I do. In, in New Jersey, and uh, we had. She was a, a longtime friend from when I was a little girl. I didn't even have her on the list. And uh, we were visiting them in New Jersey. And when we got to their house after taking a long trip. The car died, and Tommy was in the Chevrolet business. So he said, look, take Gail's car, which was a, a station wagon, and a demonstrator. And Gail was using it at one point, and take it home, and, and when, we, when we get your car fixed, we'll call you. And so that's what we did. And when, we, we got the car, when the, they got the car fixed, we told Tommy that we really wanted to keep the car, which is what we did. So to make a long story short, after having that car for a while, it was wintertime, and that particular day I couldn't get the car out of the garage. So when Jack came home, I said, honey, we're having problems with the car. Uh, he had a Jeep at the time, and so he said, well, let me go out and see what I can do. And he got it started, but he let it run, which lots of people in Vermont did. When it was really cold and snowy, they let the car run to get it so that we could use it the next day. Well, I thought you were going to come. Da- you were going to come down, and because uh, I think the boys and I were down at church, so you guys had to come down and get us, is what I recall. Well, we were home alone. Right. Uh, you you were all at church, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were watching television in the family room, which Dad had built in our beautiful home, and uh, all of a sudden, 
lights started to blink, and Dad looked out the window, and the car was on fire. So we, the sky was bright red, and so we went out, and Dad said, "This is the only fight that we ever had in our married life." Well, Dad did said, you call? Did before that? No, did you call? Was there nine one one? Did you call the? No, we, our phone wasn't working. Oh, okay. And he said, you go get help uh, with Muzz, who is my dear friend that lived down the road, and I'm going to get some things out of the garage. And I, I'm not a yeller, meaning screaming. Mm-hmm. And I stood in the driveway, and I looked at him, and I said, honey, I've loved you. Oh, I'm going to cry. I, I said, honey, I love you all these years, and I'm not letting you go to that garage. I'm sorry. I said, you're not going in the garage. You're coming with me. And I was yelling, really yelling. And he looked at me as though, what are you talking about? And he followed me to the end of the driveway. We, we had a very nice dra- long driveway. And there was a blow- something blew up when we got to the end of the driveway. So had he gone in there, I probably would have lost him. And we ran down the street to uh, Grandma Kilner. And I always loved old people. I guess it was because I loved my grandmother so much. Grandma Kilner became a grandmother to me because she was so much older than I. And we called uh, help, and the fire engines and all were there, and, and uh, no time flat. And so we had a terrible fire in our home, and that was very difficult. I think the extraordinary thing about that, though, is it was in January, and it's a volunteer fire department, mm-hmm. and they were, weren't they at a wedding? They were all at a wedding, and the person who had the key was one of Jack's hygienist's husband. And when they heard it, the phone was ringing and ringing and ringing, he was the only one that had a key to the phone. And when he heard what happened, when he, what, what, honey? There were no cell phones in those days. And Grandma no, Kilner's, no cell phones. We right. used Grandma Kilner's phone, and we ruined the wedding. It was a fire. It was a fireman's daughter's wedding, and uh, all of a sudden they were all at our house trying to put out the fire. Well, it, it did bring the community together in a way that nothing else would have. Well, and, Dad uh, was chairman of the school board of the graded school, yeah. and all of a sudden all those people were there, and our builder was there, and within a couple of days. Uh, it was it was tragic, and we of course couldn't stay there. We had to we had five houses and seven cars offered to us the next day. So you know that we were pretty well known in the in the community. Yeah. And we lived we we moved down to a girlfriend's house, our parents' house uh, they used for for holidays, and we stayed there for six, was it six months? At six or eight months while they rebuilt our house. And of well, course, it, every. It was it was a tough thing because the boys and I were I mean that was right before I left to go to away to private school, and uh, John was away already. At John was already gone, and uh, you were going to Exeter, and a friend of yours, mother and her, her daughter had a party for you, and they provided you with everything or a lot of things that burned up in the fire. Yeah, that was Which, a, that. That was a really difficult time to That was a go very away. difficult, very difficult time. Uh, but we were happy that Deb was going to Exeter. It was a very hard school to get into, and she was a bright girl. And uh, so, what positive came out of that fire? Looking back, we rebuilt we rebuilt the house the way it was, but added some additions. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's, it's still a beautiful home. It's a high on a hill, and it's still on seven and a half acres. Yep. And uh, we had lovely time there until Dad decided to retire, and that's when we decided to do other things. But we at the during that period we were invited by neighbors to go to Florida to a place called Innisbrook Golf and Tennis Resort. And they invited us several years, and we decided we would like to be there. So we bought a condominium, a very small one, but it fit the kids, the four, the six of us. And uh, we were there for several years for vacation, and then when, we, when he retired, we bought a larger one, and that's where we retired. And we were there for many, many years 
until um, why did we move from there, Dad? Oh, you went up to Virginia. Before we, I mean, we've, we're running out of time. There's so much to talk about, Mom. We're going to do this again, but I have a, just a couple of questions. Okay. What is one thing that you've never done that you would really like to do? One thing that I've never done. Well, I tell you, it's a, it was a thing that we were going to do with Nancy and Bob Breckenridge. They were they planned a trip to Alaska, and they asked us if we wanted to go with them. And we said, yes, we would love to do that. And unfortunately, Bob, I believe Bob bro- fell and broke a knee or a hip or something, and we had to cancel it. And so we said, all right, we'll cancel and we'll go at when when you know at another time. Well, another time was we took a trip, uh, and this is getting into later later years when Brad was in the service and you were in the service, and we traveled overseas. And so, because we traveled overseas quite a bit, uh, we never got to to uh, never Alaska. got to Alaska. And it's too late now. We're too old, and it's too far to go. So it was just a thing that we would love to have done, and unfortunately. Nancy and Bob moved away, and now Bob has died. So uh, okay. we never got there. But well, that turns know, we into did. a that turns into a YouTube moment. Yes. <laughs> okay. One more. Have you ever done something really impulsive, and how did it turn out? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is I was a very little girl. I was going to to uh, grade school in Garden City, Long Island. No. I guess we were like in sixth grade, and my mother was doing something that day, and uh, two of my girlfriends, one was Alice, and I can't remember the other girl, we went home, because mother wasn't home, we went home to have lunch, and we tried to learn to smoke a cigarette, and it was the worst thing we I had ever done in my life with the girls and when my mother got home she said who was smoking in that out our guest bathroom <laughs> and I got caught and that was probably the worst thing that I ever did and I, why I remember today I I've always you know always said smoking was bad for everybody were there any other than that were the cuss oh I she yelled at me and you know <laughs> I wouldn't know of that the one. family. I was I was good shoes. I was goody good shoes. Yeah, you were. You were. Uh, any shoulda, coulda, woulda moments in your life? Anything that you wish you had done that you did, that you didn't, other than to travel, personally? No, I don't think so. I, I we we've had a wonderful life. We've traveled extensively. Uh, we had a we owned several homes as we invested in things uh, and would rent them out. And and unfortunately. They were I have old. one thing. No, I um, I have one thing that you used to tell me about though is about fin- finishing school. Well, you know, you got your I, associate's degree when yes. before you and Dad got married. Right, right. And I was very active in school, and I had a lot of honors and blah blah blah, and graduated with an honor. And uh, so I, I I would have gone on, but we were living in Philadelphia because Dad was finishing graduate school. And I got a job at Atlantic Refining in the personnel department and uh, worked there until I got pregnant a couple years. And then we went in the Air Force. Okay. But you did say at one point that you wish you had gone and gotten your bachelor's yes. degree. But yes. I kept telling but, you it didn't, it didn't make any difference. But to you... It well, it did, to to, it, it did to me. I, I really wanted that. But, and I thought about going back to school, but with four kids and a, a husband who had a very busy business, business and I was so involved in, in uh, Woodstock with extra curricular things that it didn't happen, and, and here we are. Now we're living in Florida. Okay, so to wrap up this wonderful hour with Mom, besides the family, what have you been most proud of in your life? Besides the family, well, I've always been so proud of everybody in our family. And we are now a military family. Besides the family, what have you been proud of in your life? Oh, my. 
<laughs> you should have mentioned that. I, I, I've been proud <laughs> of everything that everybody has done. Uh, you know, the, you, three out of the four kids were in the services. Uh, Bradley, our third boy, retired as a full colonel. Uh, he's still involved in the Mom, government. Besides the family, <laughs> what have you been most proud of that you have done in your lifetime, not us? Well, I, I think know you're, I know you're proud of us. I would say working in in Woodstock with the Cancer Society okay. uh, and teaching school, teaching kids at the rec center, that type of stuff, where people got to know me because Dad was always working. So I I I got out into the community and and uh, I met many more people. And I, I was a girl. I was a girl scout. Yeah, I think you've been. I an was a Girl Scout leader. You were an extraordinary friend. Okay, well, I, I, I always had loads of friends, and I still have loads of friends. And as I said, my, my one of my dearest friends called me last night, Joyce Adelberger. But well, I've got many, many friends all over the country, and I still talk to them on the telephone. And that's and I, very special. I think that, yeah, I think that's a really proud, a special, special thing that you do that you really do keep in touch with people more than just a cursory, you know, text. Yes, I you, do. You, and you love, it's, it's a two-way street, and they, keep, they, they call us also. But that's Dad, a lost art. It's a lost art on this generation. You know, well, people are too busy. And I, well, I, I honor you for taking that time to sit down and write. Well, it, it, they are wonderful friends, and they, we've, we've had them for a lifetime, and Dad has done that also with some friends. So we really are, are very, very fortunate. And now we're here. We live in an area where uh, we went, before COVID, we went to church, and we have lovely friends in church, and we have lovely friends that, that live here. So we've, we've had a very happy life. And th- at that, the next go-round, we'll talk about that. absolutely well Gwendolyn Kennedy Butts thank you so much for this wonderful hour and my hour with mom and we will continue as I think it's really important that people sit down and and find out about those fun things that that their parents actually do have a life outside of being a parent and I was just reading this morning something that says um, an extensive study in the US found that the most productive age in human life is between 60 and 70. The second most productive stage is between 70 and 80. And so, and I think actually the most, the third most is between 80 and 90 because I see you and dad and the things that you're doing and actually 90 to 100 because you've kept so active physically and it's kept you active mentally and being around so many people and doing so much service all your life, I think has, has created an incredible uh, experience for you, but also for us looking to see how we're going to grow up to be the next generation, if that makes sense. Well, but, I hope you all have as wonderful a life as we've had. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in helping people, we've always honored our old, our elderly now that we're elderly also, but we've always honored our elderly and we, I always try to take care of elderly friends. You still do that. I mean, we just spent this time with Sally, our mermaid club, and Sally just turned 90. And right. you would, you weren't much younger than Sally, but it was always like, got to take care of Sally, got to take care of Sally. And exactly. you've always done that, Mom, and, I, and I, I appreciate that because you taught that to me and I hope that I've taught it to my children uh, mm-hmm. and I hope so. going on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a wonderful thing. So thank you so much for this hour. Thank you. We will do another and tell okay. Dad he'll get his opportunity. <laughs> well, Dad's had his opportunity also. <laughs> I know. He's written several books. And uh, we, we will talk about that at one point too because I think I always wanted to ask you, what, who's your favorite child, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I have never, Dad has said, but I have never said, you don't, well, you don't have a f- favorite child. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm Everybody claim, is very special. I'm going to claim that I'm the favorite daughter. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But well, we wanted that, more daughter. We wanted more daughters, but unfortunately, I, I couldn't have any more children. So well, we were very got, fortunate to have what we have. You got some beautiful daughter-in-laws too. So we'll pass. Yes, it on we to them, do. But. 
thank you so much for this hour. And well, thank uh, you, my dear. I'm, I we feel privileged. We will do it again. We will do okay. it again. And I appreciate you, Mom. Thank you so very much. That's thank the end you of the also. show. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye, dear. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.